This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And here we are live in another spoiler room, and man, we've got a packed room tonight to talk about our favorite uh, films that are based off of TV shows. And tonight in the room, I've got a great crew here. We're going to start right down the line. Hello, Mr. Cole Meredith. How are you today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this all week, man. Fantastic. Well, glad you could make it tonight. And, Miss, do you want to see something really scary? Dawn, the diva of the spoiler rooms in the house. How are you tonight, Dawn? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And what spoiler room wouldn't be uh, fresh and exciting without the one and only BFD himself, Glenn Bittner? Hello, Glenn. Hello. Fantastic. How are you doing tonight, sir? <laughs> I am doing well. Thank you. You're welcome. Good to hear. Good to hear. And, of course, we have the lovely Andrew Shearer with us tonight, Mr. Gonzarific himself. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Mark. <laughs> and next to him, we have uh, the bowtie man, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Paul Salzar. Hello, sir. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad everybody here could make it. We have also... A spoiler room staple in here tonight, Mr. Scotty D. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, hello. Ready to talk some uh, TV movies or movies made from TV shows? I am. I'm totally. Awesome. I, I, I had I have I had two that I'm gonna get to one. I got two. I had two picked out, and man, there's I, I just couldn't decide hardly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will definitely uh, hang on bated breath, waiting to hear. Uh, what your choices for this evening. And last but definitely not least in the spoiler room, we welcome back William Holt. Hello, William. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm glad you could make it tonight. Always uh, good to have uh, you back in the spoiler room with us. And tonight, yes, we are talking about TV shows that were made into movies, like widescreen release movies. So you, you'd be amazed just how many there are out there where uh, they were TV shows and then someone said, hey, this would look great on the big screen. And were they right? Were they wrong? Tonight we're going to find out with some of the selections that we have here in the spoiler room. Let's dive right into this tonight and start with William's choice. Uh, William, why don't you give us one of your uh, movies uh, that were made from TV shows uh, and so we can talk about that. You know, it was a really, really hard decision because I haven't really seen too many, but after narrowing it down, I'd have to say Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. Wow, yeah. nice choice. And why don't you tell folks a little bit about uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie for the theaters. If I did that right. Well, uh, if you've seen the TV show, you're definitely going to love the movie. The movie kind of dives into the origins of where the group came from, but it also creates this... Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a villain or a side character. This giant exercise machine called the Insanoflex <laughs> that con just continuously destroys the whole town and keeps Carl hostage as, I don't know how to say, either a victim or using him for something. And <laughs> it jumps back and forth to that, and it has time travel. It has 
cameos from old characters in previous episodes. And it comes down to a pretty shocking discovery of who created who at the very end. No, why don't it's you really, really good. Awesome. And uh, why don't you inform some of our listeners who may not be familiar with it, which if they aren't, shame on you, uh, <laughs> who, are the, who are the Aqua Teen Hunger Force is made up of? Uh, a meatball that talks, a, 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 a box of fries, and a giant milkshake. <laughs> and they and have it, a very old, perverted neighbor named Carl. Who uh, has a pool, correct? Yes, he has a pool, and a lot of things happen in his pool throughout every single season. Between mermaids, blood, um, uh, there was a monster in there once, I think. A lot of crazy things happen in this show. <laughs> and this was a movie that was wide released, very short time. It was animated, correct? Yes, correct. Now, is this a show? Was this a movie that uh, you could see and follow if you hadn't? followed the TV show, or did you really need to kind of know about the TV show to enjoy this film? Well, if you were kind of interested on the side characters like the Plutonians and um, um, Moon Knights, and uh, I think Willie Nelson shows up in it at one point, but (laughs) the one that looked like a giant spider and an onion mixed together. So if you're interested in those characters, I'd recommend watching the TV show first. But other than that, it's like a whole different story. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think it's really connected. I think it's just like one big, long episode in movie form. Fantastic. Anyone else in the room uh, familiar with this film or the TV series? Well, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, so it's like home home movies from here. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of talking meatballs and, and boxes of fries in Atlanta. Well, you know, Adult Swim was born here, and right. a lot of the shows were created here. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely all the, the Space Ghost things, the spinoffs, uh, Squidbillies, um, Archer, Pretty Faces, Going to Hell, all that stuff is is a home team for me. Nice. Uh, anyone else familiar with uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Colin? I'm quite familiar with Ignock and Ur. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Moonanites, correct? You in your third dimension. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have five thousand. Yes, five thousand. <laughs> yes. I love knocking her. Go ahead, Scott. I was just gonna say I um actually did when I did see this, uh I saw it when it first hit video and I saw this like ass backwards because I did see the uh, movie first, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, okay, I'm sure the show would have helped, but honestly, the, the whole thing, the humor, the level of humor that's on this is so such random nonsense, and I'm saying that in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, that I honestly didn't think it, I think it would have helped, but it wouldn't have, it would have been a minimal difference because, <laughs> because it's not like, because it's not like the show or anything takes really takes like a logical progression or anything the humor is just so absurdist and everything and I remember coming back and uh, talking to this person I was working with at a, at a video store at the time and he was a big fan of it he was like his like super fan of Aqua Teen Hunger Force he like put their he like put like references to them in his grindcore songs and everything like that and he's like oh you gotta watch the show and I started watching the show too I I, I kind of lost 
didn't watch start. I haven't seen all the episodes. I only watched like the first couple seasons, but I really dug the movie a lot, and the and I just liked, I just liked the level of like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> that was going on in the movie. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Now, now it was a movie though that didn't have a long theatrical run. <laughs> I'm surprised it got to the theaters. I mean, because just because. Not because it's not good, mm-hmm. but just because it's uh, even with its cult following, it is such a culty type thing. I mean, when you see it, sure. it's not like it's not like they made the movie like, oh, we've got a big movie. Okay, now how do we ap- make this appeal to the mainstream? They didn't care. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so, no, let's just make a let's just take what we do all the time and make it bigger. <laughs> And uh, for reference, folks, some of the cameo voices you may hear in it are one from Bruce Campbell and one Tina Fey are actually uh, have voices for cameo voices in the film. Tina Fey has the the most random. (laughs) It has the character named Burrito. So that tells you it's it's like the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I just think they got her in a sound booth and everything. Like, okay, we got you, Mike. You got thing. Okay, so my part is just the one line. <laughs> hey, I've I've known cameos that are shorter than that that uh, would put the person's name on a headline. I think all of us, being fans of low budget direct to video horror, have suffered that before. <laughs> oh look, it has this person in it. Wait, oh, I missed their scene. That's it. That's and all? Mark. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I would like to add what I really liked the most about the story in the movie is, like, mm-hmm. if you've seen the TV series, most episodes, if not all of them, start out with Dr. Weird's castle. Sure. And I don't – if I'm correct, in the past episodes, you don't really see the Aquatines and Dr. Weird actually meet. But in the movie, there's a strong connection. I don't want to spoil it too much, but – there's a strong connection with those characters that appear later on near the end. Oh, cool. Behold! That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite in that, too. Hey, hey, so uh, what did you think of the film, uh, Glenn, uh, of Aqua Team, Hunger Force, colon, movie film for theaters? I actually haven't seen the movie. I just watched oh, you the haven't. series. Oh, it was just from the series. That's I, all from the series. That. I have not ah. seen the movie. I should see the movie because I love the series. Yeah, see, it was one that I meant to get out and go see, and it was already gone. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember the time. So, of course, uh, where I live, um, most movies don't last more than a week. So, uh, excellent choice on there, uh, William. Uh, definitely a fun film, it sounds like. I have not seen it, but I, if it says anything like the show, uh, I can understand the random humor and just the off-the-wallness. And if the Moon and Knights are in it, well, then I'm sold. Because I just... <laughs> I just love them to to death. So, uh, excellent pick there, Paul. Why don't we go with you next? What is your pick? For... Uh, let's see. From 1994, I picked a movie that I thought best fit your criteria for TV show to movie. Okay. Translation. I picked the movie called Maverick. Oh, oh nice. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I love that. Uh, stars. Uh, uh, well, it was first of all, it was directed by Richard Donner. Uh, it stars Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, uh, and it uh, actually does have the original Maverick, which is James Gardner. And uh, what I liked about the movie was it did a really good job of being able to create a movie 
and you didn't have to know anything about the show. Uh, it, it they had likable characters. Uh, it was amazingly fun uh, to watch. Uh, the three main characters were amazing. Uh, they had very good chemistry together, and I loved how they did manage to tie in the original series with uh, the new movie. Uh, with the roles that they did with uh, James Gardner and Mel Gibson, it was uh, kind of a unique thing that I wasn't expecting. But when it when it actually appeared, it was was fantastic. I remember seeing this. This is actually one of the better because uh, before people found their groove, and actually it's hit or miss with most of these films. This was a hit. I, I will agree. When I saw it too, I I, I wasn't quite sure, uh, but one, it gives us an excuse to have another modern western. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, western uh, in that type period, but also it did have a great cast. I mean, not only um, did you have the uh, you know the headliners, which is Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and James Gardner, but you also had uh, I mean, Clint Black's in here, Denver. Pi- I mean, they had a Cranberry. Yep, they had a James Coburn. I mean, you know, James Coburn, Alfred Molina, James Coburn was in here. Uh, uh, Anyone else has seen Maverick and want to weigh in on this uh, actually very entertaining Western? Well, this is a Richard Donner movie, right? It is a Richard Donner film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I haven't seen this honestly since it was new on VHS. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't watch everything ten times, um, but. I remember liking it. I'm a Richard Donner fan. You know, mm-hmm. if I had to, if somebody had me at gunpoint and said, "Come up with a list of your favorite directors or big budget, you know, sort of Hollywood-esque directors," Richard Donner would definitely be on there. I remember enjoying it. Um, I, you know, I like Jodie Foster. Love James Garner. Uh, you know, I like Mel Gibson as a performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I remember enjoying this film immensely. Although I haven't seen it in. I don't know, 18 years or something. <laughs> I do like it. I remember liking it. I, I, you know, I remember watching it, thinking, "God damn, that's a good movie." You know, it's a really fun. It's a really fun western adventure, and it kind of keeps with the gambling spirit of uh, the characters and everything, where people are conning each other. So you have, so if you like westerns or you like con movies, you've got like basically what you need in Maverick. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the time, you know, Mel hadn't gone, kind of started. <laughs> Mel, Mel wasn't as polarizing a uh, a figure as he as he might be today. Let's just say that. Uh, and um, I was seeing basically anything with Jodie Foster in it at the time because <laughs> she's because I think she's like the one of the. I still think she's one of the greatest actresses ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, like you know that this was only a, a few years after Silence of the Lambs. So of course I was like just totally hooked, and I I just remember thinking like you know this wasn't a it was a big summer movie, but it wasn't like a big it didn't feel like a gigantic epic or anything like that. It didn't try to like it felt like after you were done with it like wow what an enjoyable two hour movie we just watched you know what an enjoyable <laughs> little adventure of who's conning who and everything and it was like it I I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, uh, it is a lot of fun. Don, have you seen uh, Maverick? Oh, of course I have. <laughs> and and what do you think of the film? I I liked it. It's it's exactly what you would expect from a Richard Donner film with that caliber of actor. Um, there was a a lot of 
amusing nods to his other projects. There was... I liked how the film made fun of itself and all the stereotypes. But it wasn't mean-spirited. But it wasn't mean-spirited. Yeah, Graham Greene, I thought, was just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, because that can sometimes happen with some of these translations is that they get a little bit mean-spirited. Thank you very much, Vacation. Go bite me. Anyway. What uh, was that? What was that? Vacation. But anyway. uh, (laughs) Go back to that one. Okay. uh, Glenn, what about you? Maverick? I think I may have seen this... Once or eleven times. <laughs> um, I'm a big James Garner fan, so um, I definitely. I mean, this was. I, I like this one a lot. I mean, I've and yeah, it's it's pre crazy Mel Gibson, and yeah, I'll watch just about anything with Jodie Foster as well because she is, as Scott said, she's a great actress. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's just. I mean, and. I I grew up watching a lot of westerns with my dad. I you know I watched a lot of you know older westerns. So um, pretty much if there's a western film that comes out, uh, I'll, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to see it. Um, and yeah, I liked this one a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and Andrew, uh, what about you with Maverick? We got the VHS man sitting up in the library. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Nice. Yeah, with a cast like this, you couldn't really go wrong at the time. And this was actually the fourth collaboration Richard Donner had with Gibson. And you can tell when an actor is comfortable with a director. And here you could you could see that. I think that comes across on screen really strongly. Uh, you know, that's the reason Lethal Weapon 5 was never made. Because they tried to fast track it without Donner. And Gibson was like, no. <laughs> I remember well, the I remember when they did uh, conspiracy theory, which I actually think is like one of the most underrated uh, films uh, of that era. I thought conspiracy theory is a great movie, and yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me if I'm getting my timelines wrong. They basically waited because they had Donner and uh, Gibson together on set, so basically Warner Brothers was there every day, like so. Lethal Weapon 4 next summer, right? 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 <laughs> <laughs> and basically, that's how they did it. They kind of strong-armed them, and Lethal Weapon 4 was, like, whipped together, like, so quick because it was basically while they were on the set of Conspiracy yeah. Theory. Fine, we'll do Lethal Weapon 4 next year, and they had it out within a year. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but at least we had Maverick before that, which was a better collaboration between those two. Uh, and yeah, getting to see James Gardner on screen, especially a big screen, was fun. Uh, William, uh, what about you? Have you seen Maverick? No, actually, I've never heard of it. Really? Oh, you gotta see it, man. It's good. You, you should see I it. I definitely will. Thank you. I'm gonna <laughs> write that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Uh, excellent pick there, Paul, on Maverick. Uh, I like that choice quite a bit. And we'll go right down the line here to uh, Glenn, actually. Uh, we'll kind of hopscotch here. Glenn, what was your pick for uh, a film made from a TV show? Dun, 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 dun. It disgusts me that it has a 5.9 rating on IMDb, which just shows that people on the internet are stupid. Yes, tell us, tell us a little bit about Dragnet and uh, <laughs> this interesting com- comedy film that uh, kind of came out of nowhere. 
Yeah, um, and this is probably one of the one of the earlier where they took a TV series and adapted it to a movie and took a what was a pretty serious TV series and turned it into a comedy because I used to watch Dragon as a kid or reruns of it. I'm not that old, but. Um, <laughs> And if they had just remade Dragnet as Dragnet, oh, my God, would that have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> they did it um, a few years ago with Ed O'Neill. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they for tried. TV, for TV, they tried to bring back, before well, Modern Family, tried to bring him back as uh, Ed O'Neill as it. And it gave you the TV, opportunity. I can kind of understand, but even then, yeah, no. It gave um, you the opportunity to hear Ed O'Neill, see Ed O'Neill use the word bukkake on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. it was bad. But it was bad. Sorry, man. Sorry. Go, go. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they 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 have Dan Aykroyd playing playing the straight man. Yep. Um. Uh. Playing uh the nephew of the late uh original uh was it Joe Friday. Joe Friday. Yeah. Um. And then they throw in uh Tom Hanks. You know when he still did comedies. Um. As uh, his, you know, his basically his completely off the wall kind of zany partner, and they have to uncover. There's this whole thing going on with, I love the group. They're called Pagans, <laughs> which is an acronym of people yep. against goodness and normalcy. Yes. Um, <laughs> my my friend and I, uh, we saw this. This was you know like sophomore year of high school. We adopted the goat dance and did that many a time and many occasions, uh, including in the Grand, at the Grand Canyon. Um, we, we went to a supposed haunted house and mocked it by doing the goat dance in front of it. So this is something that we adapted into our lives quite a bit. I watched, I watched Dragon a lot when it first came out. Um, and it's got a great cast. I mean, uh, Dan Aykroyd, I think, did really well as the, as the straight man. And you got Tom Hanks and then Christopher Plummer. As uh, the Reverend Jonathan Worley, and uh, you know, you get a little cameo by Harry Morgan, and then who else is in it? Oh, uh, one of my favorite just bad guys in general, um, Jack O'Halloran. Yes. Samuel mm-hmm. Muzz. And just so many memorable lines for me in this film that I just, you know, it's like, look, it's just you, me, your balls, and this drawer. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a fun movie, and we also this also had uh, Alexandra Paul mm-hmm. plays uh, the Virgin Connie Swale. The Virgin yeah, Connie Swale. <laughs> and what made this better, even better for us, is the fact that we were huge Baywatch nuts. Oh. And we didn't watch Baywatch because we thought it was a good show. We watched it to basically mock the ever living hell out of it. And she was a regular on Baywatch as the only basically non. The only person who was obviously cast for her personality because she was not cast because she could bounce a lot on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was just, that just kind of made it even better for us because uh, then we watch this movie and then we t- throw in Baywatch references whenever we can. So this one is just it's it's one of my favorites from my from my high school years I would say as far as comedy films go, and I, I think it was I think it's underrated by a lot of people. Um, and probably not seen by many people since 1987, other than me. <laughs> I watch yeah, it every time I get a chance. Yeah, Don, that's because well, you're awesome. That's because <laughs> you're awesome, Don. Why, why don't you talk a bit about Dragnet, your experience with it, what you like about it? I I I like it. I'm I 
as Biff said, is it, it is uh, very quotable. It has wonderful lines. The well, it, yeah. it was interesting because it, it was one of those first TV shows where they actually have a character right that was similar to the original TV series, but they put him in modern times. It, it's this, not you know this one came of the first out. Years, this it? came out, and I know the Naked Gun is is great. We know the Naked Gun is great, and that's you know based on a TV show as well and everything like that. I don't know if it's anybody's pick or not. So I'm not going to go into that. But this actually came out the year before the Naked Gun movie, mm-hmm. and if you and and it's I still prefer it because you have a great dichotomy between Dan Aykroyd is great as this straight man who can just recite penal codes like left and right and has no sense of humor whatsoever. It's just like as American as apple pie, and you have Tom Hanks. Now this younger people in our audience and stuff might not un- get that when in 1992 or 93 when Tom Hanks did Sleepless in Seattle and then he did Philadelphia that was a huge deal everybody was shocked they didn't know he could do drama that well he was known as being a wild comedy guy. This is the guy from Bosom Buddies, from Splash, <laughs> from Bachelor Party. And that's what you had here, is you had that like kind of wild persona on screen. And the movie was so funny. I remember seeing this with my mom. And even though it was like one of those movies where a couple times, you know, when you're like 11 years old, you're like, oh, whoops. because you know this is back when PG-13 really meant something it wasn't just like a warmed over PG it was like no that should have been PG-13 there was was nudity there was lots of innuendo oh yeah but um, it's um, but we watched it and we were both howling she was howling because she remembered the show I hate the original Dragnet TV show this is me personally speaking because it is so Straight laced. It is so mm-hmm. stony. I mean, it, that is that is so like. What are you boys doing? Nothing communist, I hope. <laughs> you know. Dang, dang commies. It's so straight. <laughs> well, that's Jack Webb. You know. Yeah. And, um, so that I liked, even though it was yeah, it was kind of ripping the original and new one. It still, you know, it had the involvement of Harry Morgan, so they were in on the joke and everything. And yeah. It was a just a it's a hilarious movie. It's really, Glenn. This is a great, uh, no, yeah, Glenn this is a great pick. It's like one of the best comedies of the eighties. It's great. It's a wonderful movie. It yeah. is a great comedy. And Don, uh, you said you really enjoyed it. Did it surprise you that Dan Aykroyd was playing the street guy in it? <laughs> Not <laughs> really. Considering it was an 80s comedy, though, I mean, because he was known for that as well as his you know SNL days and such. Yeah, not not really. Um, mm-hmm. Not not to bring up movies that I'm not supposed to bring up, but he was as much the straight man in the Blues Brothers as he was in, <laughs> in this. I didn't say you could bring them up. We're just not going to talk in depth about them. That's a whole nother show, okay? Yeah, God, but I asked to but, cover that. I asked to cover that but, movie even before you did. <laughs> they, um, it it uh, he was. I mean, Candy and Belushi kind of took turns being the straight man in that one, so it didn't surprise me that he could do it. Mm-hmm. It just surprised me that he would could be so subtle, right? With sure. with the deadpan humor, Spe- especially when uh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Cynthia Fox or whatever it was. The uh, the the pinup. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're they're at the Hugh Hefner type house because, uh, folks, the the theme of this is with the pagans. There's also this theme of of porn. Of, of being evil and such, and they go to this Hugh Hefner type house, and there's this uh, for an anniversary episode they have uh, or issue of the magazine they have one of the original pinup doll uh, pinup girls there the centerfolds and she approaches she approaches Joe and she drops her robe and she goes uh, don't you want to stay for a white lunch or whatever <laughs> and he just he it's the only time I think Joe gets an ex- Expression that's other than deadpan. It, would you say, Don? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he was deadpan, but I mean, he did. He was in on the humor. I mean, there's like yeah. little bits, like where he gets his car, feet run over by the car. Yeah. He gets to use his deadpan in the in the bit where he starts to recite the ingredients of the milk, and it's because he's playing off of Tom Hanks's thing. Like, for instance, at the uh, Porn, uh, the big porn party. It's only porn boss being played by uh, Davney Coleman. Davney Coleman. He's uh, basically Tom Hanks is a real coon hound in the movie. If you pardon the expression. So like you know, Tom Hanks knows all every single woman that's at the porn party. And I remember uh, Joe Friday just says they ought to switch you to missing persons, Strebeck. You know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Andrew, what about you with uh, Dragnet? Oh, we went to see it when it came out, and then uh, we taped it off of pay-per-view. My brother and I just used to watch it a lot. It was one of our favorites in the 80s. You recorded it off of pay-per-view? Yeah, like I had off pay-per-view, man. I got disorderlies. I got a bunch of really good ones off pay-per-view. I remember he recorded, he ordered Dirty Dancing and then t- uh, charged girls in the neighborhood to come in and watch the Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> made a lot of money off that, whatever it cost. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Paul, what about you, Dragnet? Yes, uh, this movie did something that a lot of comedies don't do well, especially nowadays, is that it actually set up the joke. I mean, mm-hmm. they they would wait for, like, the entire movie to set up a joke. Like, you know, for example, we, we joked about the the virgin Connie Swale. <laughs> I just love how that turned out into a real nice joke at the oh, end. Oh, yes. Oh, it's the perfect, oh, yeah. it, was the, it was the perfect bookend to the movie. It was exactly. It was, even with the with Miss Connie Swale. Don't you mean Virgin Connie Swale? the eyebrow. He does the yeah. eyebrow. <laughs> and it's just little things like that because it they it they took the time and they they had patience building up the joke because they knew it would pay off at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated the movie especially for that. Yeah, and and they had the physical comedy in there, and they have the unexpected comedy, like the old landlady, who is still my favorite. <laughs> She's still my favorite character, si- side character in that movie. What do you want, <laughs> pencil neck? Just the most foul-mouthed old lady ever. She was great. Uh, Cole, what about you, Dragnet? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I actually watched it again because I knew it was... Glenn's pick, uh, and I, I like it. I like the original show, too, in the context of its time, you know. Uh, just, you know, like, you, like you'd like you read an old book, you know, that isn't pertinent anymore. Um, but I, I, liked, 
I like the movie. It's it's just mm-hmm. fine. I I don't think it's I don't think it's funny enough, and I don't think they use the theme enough. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like it. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, it, it got some horrible reviews, and it's way better than the critics, at least at the time, would have you believe. It's a good flick. I'm I'm old enough to remember watching Siskel and Ebert's review of it, which is they show their their complete lack of sense of humor in that up in that segment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like it. I like it. I think that. Uh, it could have been a little funnier, um, but I, I like it. I think it's it, it's a fine film to watch. You know, I'll watch it again many more times before I'm, you know, under a grave, I'm sure. <laughs> and William, have you seen Dragnet? I have never heard of it, but it's one movie I'm going to put down since y'all are talking so good about it. <laughs> it. It is worth it. It is underrated as far as comedies go. And see, I, I actually kind of like that this period of early TV show uh, to movies because people were looking for a formula, and so you got a lot of different varieties and different approaches, you know, to these movies uh, back then because it was something fairly new uh, at that time. Uh, you know, people were like, "Wow, that's a real risk," but yeah, well, this one I think is a hit, and and people it is underappreciated. Great performance by both Hanks and uh, Aykroyd. Yeah, 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 you know. Well, because um, oh, go ahead, Don. Oh, just one thing I want to say for William and anybody else who's who's looking at uh, watching these movies for the first time, um, Maverick still p- holds up pretty well because it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. Dragnet, because it's set in the '80s, it is will, going uh, to feel more dated. Yeah, there's a few more cultural references mm-hmm. in there, pop yeah, culture it's, type. Yeah, it's, it's very pop I culture for the '80s. Huh? 80s are funny and hilarious. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, 80s are great, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, but excellent pick there, Glenn, uh, with Dragnet. Just the facts. And uh, we'll go with Cole. Cole, what about you, sir? Your pick for the evening. Man, I, uh, I, I've i been so looking forward to this. I, I, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Michael Mann's uh, version of his own uh, TV series, Miami Vice. Um, just, just to start, I'm going to talk about the theatrical version. He did the extended quote. This is in quotes, extended version strictly for the studio. And it's, I don't recommend that version. It was an experiment on his part to adhere to the powers that be. I highly recommend, uh, the theatrical cut. Um, and I'm going to plow through all this as quick as I can. Uh, this is a, this is like, uh, there are movies that I love, and then there are movies that are the reason I love movies, and this is one of them. I totally don't understand why more people don't get into this. might be because so much is unsaid in the movie, and so much of it relies on your own personal sort of interpretation of what's happening on the screen. But I, I saw Miami Vice at a point when I had fired a cinematographer. I was doing my second film. And I had fired a cinematographer because he wasn't shooting in pieces. He was shooting in big, long shots. And I tried to explain to him that in order to create a low-budget movie, I need things to cut away to. Not everything is going to work in one long shot. And if you don't have anything to cut away to, you're fucked. You you can't save a scene if you Mm -hmm. have no cutaways. And 
I fired him, and I didn't know exactly how I was going to finish the movie. Was I going to shoot it on the Shadows of Savenville camera? No. Uh, he had a $5,000 camera, which I couldn't afford. I went to this movie with, uh, at the time, my best friend, uh, Bruce Carey, and uh, we walked out of that, and I thought, okay, I know how I'm going to finish the movie now. I went out and took out a loan, lived in a garage with rats the size of my rat terrier for a year while paying off this camera and finished the movie. Um, wow. Because stylistically, wow. this, this movie um, is important. This is maybe the most expensive art house movie ever made. I can't back that up with any verifiable evidence here <laughs> on the show because I want to talk about the movie. But the movie is very art house. Um, and going into the reasons directly that I love it, it is so damn sexy. This is the sexiest movie I've ever seen, aside from maybe high art, which I hesitate to talk about, because if you're a straight male, you can't like high art, because there's lesbians in it. So my opinion is automatically denounced. Uh, with that. <laughs> okay. I, love, I, I love high art. High art is an amazing film. It is Fantastic. so sexy. Fantastic. This movie, I mean, you want to talk about chemistry? Colin Farrell and Gong Lee set the screen on fire. I mean, I, I just really don't understand how, how well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the criticisms. I'm just going to go on to why I, why I like it. Um, okay. I really, really like the, the chemistry between Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. I mean, even Farrell himself mentioned there wasn't enough buddy-buddy stuff. I wholeheartedly disagree. This is a less-is-more type of uh, situation. You know, the TV series had all this time to develop this character. You would say, assuming you already know these guys are blood brothers. And if you can't keep up, well, you know, that, that's too bad because their scenes are really good. They have an unspoken thing going on, which uh, brothers who are not related by blood have. I've had a couple of them in my life. And not everything you say. You look the dude in the eye. You have an unspoken communication, and you go about uh, your business. Um, just going right down the list. Um, in 2014, Time Out uh, pulled several, several film critics, directors, actors, and stunt actors to list their top action films. This was on it, which is confusing because if you go to the Rotten Tomatoes page, you'd, this movie is a bomb or something. And it seemed like all of the critics I was paying attention to Praise this film. The cinematography is absolutely amazing, which Michael Mann had used in Collateral. But to me, the problem with Collateral is you have a very uh, enticing, entrancing story bookended by an unrealistic love story. You know, there's an opening scene and an ending scene where Jamie Foxx meets this girl in a taxi. And everything in between there is really good. And the book end destroys it. This movie has no bookends. And again, I'm referring to the theatrical cut. This movie starts with you in the middle of a raid of these guys in the middle of an investigation, and it stops at the exact same place. And as an extension of that, this is a movie where the good guys don't necessarily win. The big guy that they were after, the, the, the main dude played by, uh, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, I can't even I can't even find it in my notes actually, uh, but he, they don't catch him. He he gets away. Uh, it, it, going along with the villains here, John Ortiz, who plays Euro, who is the drug smuggler's intelligence officer, is horrifying. 
I mean, this is a guy, this is one of the most memorable memorable villains I've ever seen. And he has maybe five scenes. And he is creepy, man. And not only that, but his obsession with Gong Li's character goes without dialogue. That is all in your hands, which is a big thing about this movie, Miami Vice, which is you got to be paying attention or maybe you don't want to. And if you don't want to, fine. But the information is there. I, I hark back to my review of Fury Road. We had a spoiler room on that. Not everything needs to be sad, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to watch the fucking movie. And the information <laughs> is there. Not all these directors are going to come out and tell you exactly what to think. I'd like to think because of the success of Collateral that Michael Mann sort of took that visual approach and made an intelligent movie, which leads me to my next point. This is an action movie, maybe not an action movie. There's not that much action in it, which I think pissed a lot of people off, even though the end shootout is fucking epic. I, I think this is just a crime thriller. If you go into this expecting a lot of action, like heat, you're, you're going to be bored. You're going to be looking at your watch. This is about interpersonal relationships on both sides of the drug war, and honestly, you don't have to have a stance in the drug war to like this movie because unlike the TV series, these aren't just cocaine dealers. You know, these are scary individuals who hold political power over entire societies. Um, I'm just going to mention Colin Farrell once more before I stop with my ranted raving here. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, I, go ahead. I think there's a lot of negativity out there about Colin Farrell, and I think it's absolutely bullshit. I think a lot of it revolves around his uh, uh, sex life, to be quite frank. I think a lot of people run him into the ground because he was a promiscuous dude when he was becoming famous. And I think if you actually just watch the man's performances, you'll see this is a guy who goes for broke. This is, of all the cop movies I've watched where these, you know, people getting paid millions of dollars to pay cops who in real life are getting paid maybe an eighth of their salary, maybe. I think this guy, I believe he's a cop. And not only that, I believe he's playing Gong Li's character, which is another astonishing bit. I've watched this with with people who are astonished. The, the ending is heartbreaking. He was playing her all along, man. He <laughs> knew what he was doing. He was not in too deep. He was a good cop was playing this girl and if you watch what Colin Farrell and Gong Li do with these roles it is not only phenomenal but kind of scary I mean these are what good narcs have to do and if you've seen the footage of Colin Farrell preparing for the role where they actually put him in a setup deal where these people who he thought were real drug dealers went off on him and he held his ground he actually held his ground. He didn't say, oh, I'm an actor. He ripped open his shirt and said, I'm not wearing a wire. He prepared for this role, and he was into this role. This is an amazing film. I'm surprised I got through this without crying because I <laughs> love Miami Vice. And when you mentioned we were doing TV to movie uh, episode, I didn't think of this because I don't connect it to the TV series. I think Michael Mann very wisely realized or knew all along that Miami is actually a dark, gritty city, and you don't want to paint it with, uh, you don't want to paint it aesthetically in the cinematic world with bright pink flamingos and palm trees. And he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. This is an absolutely amazing film. This is uh, one of my favorite films of all time, for sure. 
You don't say. No, I love your passion, Cole. I love it. I love the fact that you enjoyed this movie quite a bit. And what I love about the fact is that he took a TV series and made an actually rated R uh, action thriller crime thriller out of it uh you know it's like this is what he wanted to do all along with the series but you know you know so i did have that feel to it don did you see the miami vice with colin farrell and jimmy fox i did i actually uh purchased it recently and Mm -hmm. i watched it for the first time and i have to tell you cole thank you i was not impressed with this movie the first time i saw it and i really feel like I did not give it enough of a chance. Thank you, because I love when people convince me to give movies another chance and relook at them with a much more open mind, and you did that. Well, thank you. I just love the film. I just love the film. That actually, that actually goes for me, too, because I saw this, uh, unlike Dawn, I, saw, I did see this years ago. I missed it in the theater, so I hit, saw it when it hit DVD. Now, that means the only version I've seen is that quote-unquote director's cut. Gross! Yeah, the only version I've seen, I didn't know that it was that the, that it was actually not the preferred director's cut. It is it was not. Like, it's kind of like a more in quotes thing, just like the alien cut, the studio cut, the director's cut of that one, too. Not, not to interrupt you, I just want to say, he mentions that right up front in his commentary. Look, this is an extended version, but it's, it's not extended. Okay. And those are his exact words. It's like an experiment to appease the studio. That's oh, wow. I got it. Because, you know, I was a huge fan of the show in the 80s. Uh, well, my brother was a huge show, and then I would watch the tapes, because he used to actually record all the episodes of Miami Vice on VHS tapes, and, you know, I would break in and, like, watch them episodes. And I was, so I was, like, heard, like, oh, my God, Michael Mann is doing a movie of his own show, Miami Vice. I love Michael Mann. Guys, if you ever get a chance to see Manhunter, it's one of the best Mm -hmm. movies ever. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, It's a great movie. And and so I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then what he, what took me, caught me off guard right away with the movie because I, I did not I, I'm, I'm just like Dawn and I did not really I, I saw stuff in it but I was like yeah I don't quite it's not quite sitting with me I don't quite get what's going on because what he did is basically he did the antithesis of what the, a lot of, of the visual feel of the TV show was the visual feel of the show was very slick quick cuts um Shot on film, bright neon, beautiful suits and everything like this. This is shot on video and digital film. It's dingy. You can't, it, it, it's dark. It's gritty. And I was like, wow, that's not really what I thought of when I thought of Miami Vice. And so I think it was because I had so hard a time getting that that I didn't really – Get it, you know? I didn't. I, I. I. didn't get it. I now really want to see this again, and I want to track down that theatrical cut because. Please do. You, because you, you really have convinced me. Like you know, and maybe I won't like it. Maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah. But I really am desperately desperate to just try to give this another shot now. Oh, and it was a bold move because the the series had ended what sixteen years prior. So I mean, it. It, it had, here we have a TV movie coming out where. Pretty much any, you know, 
your main audience is going to sit there and go, I kind of remember this maybe while I was drinking from my sippy cup. Uh, Paul, <laughs> great show. Paul, did you see Miami Vice, uh, the 2006 movie? I did, and I did not like it. I'm sorry. Okay. No, go ahead. And the reason the reason is because I did go into it with the wrong attitude. Uh, it, it has everything that I would probably like in a regular movie, but I was expecting the television show, and that's the wrong thing to do. But at the time, I was a lot younger, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the way I thought of it. I was, I wanted the experience of the '80s again. You know, I, I liked. I liked the pastel colors. I liked the, you know, the shoeless socks or um, you know the so- uh, sockless shoes type of deal. You know, I just I wanted that, and I didn't get that, and so I got so angry with the movie that I I actually gave it. Um, I didn't give it what it deserved. It, it yeah, needed. Sure. It really did need somebody that that actually came into it with an open mind, and I automatically shut down right within like I don't know 30 minutes of the film it's like this is not the film that I wanted to see and so I wasn't going to give it a chance but now listening to Cole I probably should (laughs) now that I'm older and I probably would appreciate it uh, but there's also still a part of me that still lives in the 80s and I'll probably like I'm afraid that I would still continue doing that because I'm kind of stubborn no, but 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 you make At least a good you admit point. It, buddy. <laughs> but you make a good point. This is one of those TV movies that, if you're a fan of the show, you may want to avoid. Whereas if you're you you were curious about the movie and didn't know much about the show, you probably appreciate you it or love enjoy this it more. Movie, I think I think you more, would. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, what about you with uh, Miami Vice? So much like Cole, I saw this when it came out and did not like it because it was not. Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. I have since rewatched it. I still do not like it. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things for me is I did not catch any glimpse of chem- the, the chemistry between uh, Don Johnson and uh, I forget the yeah, original right. actor's name who played Tubbs. Right. Um, uh, Bill they Michael had, Thomas. Yes, they had they had great chemistry mm-hmm. in that in that TV show, and I just didn't see the chemistry between Farrell and Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a, for me that that's a big part of my advice is is those two characters and then how they work together, and I just didn't see that with them in this in this, and as far as Colin Farrell being a good actor, um, <laughs> I like Colin Farrell in a lot of stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Almost everything I like him in, it's when he plays an Irish guy. <laughs> um, and I mean, I mean, some of my favorite roles of his are in the film Intermission. I love him in, um, and stuff like that, and just you know, and in 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 Bruges. And I think mm-hmm. he's he's a great actor in those roles. I just I am, I I tend not to like him in a lot of other things, and that might just be me. And being like, you're fucking Irish, act fucking Irish, you know. That might just be me. Um, so yeah, this this one I just I, I never really I've, I've seen it two and a half times probably, mm-hmm. and just not a fan. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was awful by any by any you know it's not like I watched it and said, oh my god, that was terrible. I'm just like, eh. and and I'm one of those people where 
if it's a show that I really liked, I, I do get kind of defensive about it when they remake something. I'm like, well, that's not the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the or or worse when they do it with a book and it's and yeah. this one isn't really that far off of the TV show. It really isn't that far off, but just I think it was the lack of chemistry between the two leads. Just I just couldn't get into it. You just you just didn't feel it. Yeah, and then and I can see. I like uh, I like Colin, it, I do like Colin Farrell though. I mean, I liked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I of course missed a lot of his earlier stuff, but I immediately saw when as soon as I saw him in Tigerland, which is like m- one of uh, I'd I'd say it's my second favorite Joel Schumacher film. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films where you say like, wait, despite what he's done with Batman and stuff, no, this is this guy's actually a decent director. Colin Farrell in Tigerland was great, and I've been a fan of his ever since. I'm, I'm happy that he still gets big parts because let's face it, this guy has been involved with more, like has been involved with more bombs than ISIS. Okay, <laughs> so I'm so wow. I'm, no seriously, like I mean, Alexander, who would, uh, who, uh, who is gonna uh, recover from that? Uh, even though you know it's got fans, including Mr. Meredith here. Miami Vice no, it was made, a huge... It made its money back on DVD, Miami, which is why yeah. there's four cuts of it. it yeah, it, Miami it Vice... But, like, it's been, like, that he's got... But he still gets, like, a lot of big parts, and I'm so happy that he does because I think he's a really good actor. And I'm glad he continues to take risky parts. He takes parts in Hollywood films, and he takes part in smaller films. Like, uh, a few years ago, Seven Psychopaths was a great movie. It Yeah, it is. Uh, that was a fun movie, definitely, and... Uh, Colin Farrell, yeah, he does better it, when he's uh, playing the Irish, though. I'll oh, I, I, I like him all the time. <laughs> I, I will admit, I did, I did like him in Fright Night, the remake of Fright yes, Night. I, oh, Fright Night, I thought, I thought he was great in Fright Night. Yeah, that is one of them where... I, I think it's because, it, it, it may be because of his some of his early, early life, uh, you know, personal life stuff that he... Just something about him, he plays kind of a sleazy guy really well. <laughs> so, but he, but that's not all he plays well. Because I mean, no. you know, I think he's been in. It's the fact that he still does some some smaller stuff. He did one, uh, probably like five or six years ago called Undine, mm-hmm. um, where he's Undine. like uh, he's a fisherman in like in Ireland, I think is is where oh, it is. And uh, it's just it's just he plays it completely different from every other character he's ever played. And he's actually really good in that one. Well, it, it, just like he did in Bruges, and, and even though that that's a film that's bigger on rental here in the states than or what I mean, it's that's a film that didn't really get wide release. I liked him in that. Uh, I didn't quite care for the film, but I enjoyed his performance in what? it. So you're, he, oh, no, you're just oh my gosh. I in know. Bruges is a great movie. <laughs> I have I have no taste. Yeah, you're that's wrong. One, you're that's wrong. That's one I that's one I have to give. <laughs> Thank you. That's one I have to give another shot on because first time I watched it. Uh, I was kind of sleepy. So, uh, William, did you happen to see uh, the Miami Vice 2006? Miami Vice? Why does that sound so familiar? I don't think so. No? no it uh, rings a bell, though. Yeah, well, it was 2006 uh, remake of the, uh, well, not remake, but a movie version of the show from, uh, I think it went from 86 to 90, uh, oh, or, or 84 to 90, I think it was. Uh, it ran for quite some time. So uh, uh, be interested if you're a Colin Farrell fan, you may want to check it out. Uh, Andrew, you're the last one that uh, didn't weigh in. Uh, Miami Vice, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen um, 
every I think every Michael Mann on the big screen since uh, the '90s. Whenever mm-hmm. Last of the Mohicans was out, so I think he's a great filmmaker. I didn't give a really give a crap about the show when I was a kid. It was more my dad watched it. I thought it was boring, but I yeah, the movie's awesome. Love it. Great. And uh, so excellent pick there, Cole. I, I love the opinions on this film. Uh, so check it out. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't do well in the box office, but as Cole said, it did make it back in rentals, which thanks to, I believe it was Austin Powers, the studios uh, took that into account for a success of a film nowadays. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it, it's true. Uh, since Austin Powers suddenly, because Austin was one, wasn't it that one that uh, kind of bombed in the theaters? Uh, but it did fantastically in rental. And so yeah, he, I, I, so I, when I saw the trailer for Austin Powers, I said that's going to be a huge hit, and then it, everybody it came out, and everybody said that movie bombed. I said, wait. <laughs> and, and suddenly studios took notice of rentals. So, uh, yeah, uh, Miami Vice, check it out. And if you're a fan of the show, may want to avoid it. But uh, Cole here definitely makes an excellent argument for the movie. Uh, so we're going to move on then here to, I want to get to Andrew's pick. Uh, Andrew, uh, what film did you bring for us this evening? Oh, I picked an obscure Fox television series from the 80s uh, that was made into uh, a Pixar movie, Inside Out. The show is called Herman's Head. And, uh, so, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, my choice my choice is uh, Jackass, the MTV series. Andrew, can I tell you right now, you always surprise me. When you mentioned this film, I was like, I did not peg you for a Jackass movie fan. Why don't you tell our fine listeners out there who may not be familiar with this uh, a turn-of-the-century film? Uh, well, it's on the shelves right next to my John Cassavetes Criterion collection. So, uh, you know, I mean, what do I know about movies? I guess nothing. Um, I think uh, I love the show Jackass, and that might have been my teenage background from being a skateboarder. Um, and just loving watching skate videos where people are just, you know, falling and eating it and all of that stuff. Um, I just, I really loved Jackass. It was, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing at it. It was, um, it was just to me the, it was just great. And I mean, this was Jackass started before there was YouTube, so um, you got to remember I couldn't log in and watch skate fails and you know all these different <laughs> things. And I sit up late at night. When I can't sleep, I get on YouTube and I just watch skateboarding videos of people falling and getting hurt. I mean, I don't know what it is, but just it triggers something in me from being a kid and just having fun with my friends. But uh, yeah, I really love Jackass, and I'm serious about the movies. I think they're really brilliant com- comedy pieces. Um, because uh, if you look at uh, and just take the first Jackass movie, I think they're all great. But take the yes. just the first one. Um, there are so many moments in that movie, so many of the little vignettes. For for those who've never seen it or think they're too good to watch it, it's basically um, like part carnival freak, part stuntman, part daredevil, uh, part comedian, uh, part geek. They're just they're it's got it's it's big combination of things. And these guys basically uh, just do pranks and stunts for um, for the duration of the show and in the film um, there's just more of them put together but they didn't uh, have uh, the uh, hang up of being censored by MTV and cable television they basically got an uncensored format uh, in the theater so like it was pedal to the middle and it was fantastic and uh, my point is that um, in the Jackass movie 
take any number of the most memorable moments in that. Those parts would be the talking points of if they were in a like a big studio comedy or an indie comedy or anything. Take any of those gags, and you'll be like, man, did you go see Blank? Can you believe the part where he put the toy car in his ass and he went to the doctor and they found the x-ray? Like That would be like a big memorable moment if it was in like a Fairley Brothers movie. It would be considered classic. Sure. But you put it in the Jackass movie, and it's just stupid entertainment for mouth-breathing lowlives that are entertained by anything. <laughs> but my belief... Um, and when I reviewed Jackass 3D, the third one, which is the best live-action 3D film I've ever seen in a theater as far as how it looked, I don't know what cameras they shot it with, but it looked amazing. Um, to me, these are uh, these are like the descendant of the Three Stooges, Buster Keaton, uh, Charlie Chaplin, Harold Lloyd. These guys are getting hurt for comedy in the most direct simple, basic way possible. But um, what they do is they kind of hit on something that's like a little homoerotic, um, but it's also just like how much can you kind of stand as a viewer, but being there's nothing like being in a theater audience watching people react to a Jackass movie. I wish they put one out every year, but these guys would be dead. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I was re-watching the first one just because I hadn't seen it in years just so I could get on this show and talk about it. I'm dying laughing. My wife is in the kitchen. She looks over. She's dying laughing. I'm sorry, but I don't think I'm too good to laugh at that stuff. I just don't. I have to. Uh, I'm very in touch with what makes me laugh. And uh, as comedy, it's just to me, it's just undeniable. Um, there's a great part in the movie where um, a guy goes into a hardware store and takes a crap inside one of the hardware stores. Oh my god! And I was. I was in tears in my house watching a movie I've seen several times. I mean, it just, to me, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I just really love it. it. To me, it's just, and there's a, there's a this will be it, I, I'm telling you. There's a moment in part two, and I consider this to be like surrealist art. Um, there's a shot, and it looks like it's a living room or a bedroom. Oh, it looks like yeah. a bathroom, right? And you kind of don't exactly know there's something off about this bathroom you're seeing. Just in the moment where your mind goes, I'm looking at a dollhouse, the second that clicks in your head, a turd falls onto the toilet. Someone is sitting on top of the dollhouse taking a crap in the the, the dollhouse toilet. To me, that's great. Like, I could see, like, Salvador Dali doing something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I missed that painting of his. uh, Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I love them, man. It's a, it's, to me, it's just a... It's it's what so many movies think they're too good to do. But in mm-hmm. any comedy trailer you see, Vacation's a perfect example. Swimming around ah. in crap, things like that. <laughs> um, the beats in the trailer that the audiences always laugh at are when people are doing embarrassing things or getting hurt. This movie is just going ahead and getting, doing away with all the pretense and making you laugh. I mean, it is very... Uh, I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing pretentious about it. Uh, the pretentiousness is on the side of the critics. That couldn't that that felt forced to have to watch this, and somehow it's okay for TV, but in cinema, it's not cinema. It's very entertaining. Jackass one, two, and three are among the funniest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. All right. Well, <laughs> well I, I actually. I mean, I don't like. I don't like the Jackass movies. Uh, but. Uh, and but you know what I'm, I do recognize them as like being 
transgressive and even kind of punk in a way and everything like that. I, I think that I and my friends all think I'm crazy for not liking them. Uh, my mm-hmm. friends love these movies and they keep on they keep on trying to like make me watch them and stuff and they've made me watch and I, I've watched like most of part two and I they actually took me to see part three um, and stuff. But I you know I, I'm not a fan, but I do recognize them as transgressive thing. Like I think that they I don't really look down on on them uh, personally because um, I don't my, one of my sayings that personal sayings is that you know I don't have guilty pleasures I have pleasures mm-hmm. so I mean like I don't feel like anybody should should worry about like how they feel about something I will say that I I have always found the the origins of the show to be suspect it's like you know they apparently it all came about because they were bored. They would be bored in the middle of the afternoon because they just lived in the middle of nowhere and stuff. I thought, okay, I've been born too. I but if someone jumps up and says, okay, I'm gonna blow up a balloon and tie it on the end of my dick. You pop it and make sure your ca- the camera is running. That's actually something someone's been planning to do for some time. Oh, no. <laughs> so like someone when someone says, I'm I'm no I'm, bo- I'm bored. Like this is my moment. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what happened at all. This um okay. uh, Je- no Jeff Tremaine the cre- the creator uh, and Spike Jones they're both really good. They were accomplished uh, experimental filmmakers before the show happened. Yeah. Um, it, it was yeah. um it, and it is uh it was a uh, uh, Johnny Knoxville who was um like trying to get a job as a writer and he was going to do these articles about allowing things to, to be done to him and they're like why don't you film them and you know so there were already tapes uh, Big Brother series was really really good series of skate videos and uh, it's just it was kind of the combination of all of that but I mean it is ah. it is punk it is transgressive and it is uh, anarchy on the screen and uh, mm-hmm. I just I I mean there's oh god the fart helmet man yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they make, they make him wear his helmet, and they they fart into it and blow the fart in there. I think puking is hilarious. First of all, I, oh God, God, no. I watch, <laughs> but I watch videos of people throwing up, and I'm not I'm not watching videos of like you know like scabs coming off or people dying or anything like that. But I think vomit is hilarious. It the with the sounds that people make, and you know, it just to me, I don't know. So um, uh, Lance Bangs or not Lance Lance Bangs is um the cameraman, and he's like got a very weak stomach and is often seen vomiting in the show. Steve-O as well, uh, I think in one part he, he snorts some wasabi and pukes right on the sushi. I just, I'm sorry, man, I'm laughing. Like, I'm trying to say <laughs> You know, when I watched this, I, I saw, um, I posted 20 minutes of watching this and I'm sitting there thinking there's not enough beer in the world for this. And then Steve-O started uh, on the wasabi and he started uh, throwing up. I'm, I have issues with spit. I don't have issues with vomit. I, I work in the healthcare field. I don't have issues with vomit. I don't have issues with poop or pee or any of that. Um, but I have issues with spit. And and I just about lost all, all everything. My stomach just about went. Okay. I could not deal with that. Yeah, as a as a punk rock vocalist, in my teens, I got spit on a lot, so I don't yeah. know. Oh, the only, it the smells only. like it don't you don't wipe it. That's the thing. You don't wipe it off. No, it let's let's make, not make Don ill. The <laughs> only thing the, the only thing I got nauseous from. I mean, because everybody said like, oh, we're gonna show this to Scott and he's gonna get really grossed out. The only thing I actually got nauseous from was not in the first Jackass movie, which I know is what we're basically covering. It was in the mm-hmm. third one when they took me to see the theater, and the sweatsuit. 
came yeah, on. Yeah, and and I was like, okay, gotta put my head down. <laughs> like, nope. Oh, I can watch the rest of the sweatsuit got me. <laughs> no, the greatest prank those guys ever pulled off was that the popularity of the show and the fact that they got in the 3D in the theater. I just that's oh, yeah. the biggest trick. Yeah. Out of all the stunts they did, that is fact that and they, critics had to watch them is and they made it made some serious bank too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, Glenn, what about you? Have you seen Jackass movie? I seen the Jackass movie. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, when it comes to sophomoric type humor like this, this this kind of basically you know bathroom humor, I think there are two types of people: people who find it funny. And people who are deluding themselves into thinking it's not because they should be laughing because, as as uh, Andrew said, puking is funny. <laughs> With the exception of those, of those few people who have the weak stomachs who can't handle it, fine. I will excuse you, but the rest of you, <laughs> Thank you. I mean, come on, come on, really? Fart, how can fart helmet not be funny? Fart helmet's the best. Oh my god. Oh, God. Oh, it, just just, in, just in, in the movies and the, the original TV show, I mean, the fact that, I mean, this is what this is what most people spend their time. You see those videos on YouTube where it's someone getting hurt or someone doing something stupid. You click on it, and this is just said, here you go. It's a whole movie of this. People doing this intentionally. Now that they're complete morons, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, but... I really appreciated that they actually had an EMT with them to make sure that nobody got seriously and permanently hurt. Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're they're it's professionally done, and they always have that yeah. warning on, sure. uh, you know, because they could well they they could definitely be sued by people if one of them died. You know, if a good yeah. example, the uh, riot pellet that just shot at Johnny Knoxville in the stomach in the first one, um, they had to actually you know make sure that that wasn't going to kill him because whoever shot at him. Would have been, you know, have to be liable. Run yeah. In. Oh yeah. yeah. So very, very careful about that. Yeah. Uh, Cole, what about you, Jackass? Well, I think um, Andrew specifically and Glenn also hit on why Jackass is. Uh, I don't want to say important, but that a valid form of, of filmmaking, which is that they're not just winging it. These mm-hmm. are not just dumb asses diving at a ceiling fan. They're not. Uh, these are actors. These are, uh, in some cases, I believe, uh, professional stuntmen. Yeah. Um, this is the work of writers. This is the work of every member of the, the people you see on screen submit diagrams of the stunts they want in the movie. These diagrams go through a certain elimination process, and uh, then it makes the film. It's. I, I really think it's. It's funny, and, and it's funny from a more calculated position than I think the majority of American audiences realize. These dudes aren't winging it, and nor are they always laughing when they're laughing. These are actors. This is melt. This is directed. This is carefully edited to be as funny as it can be. And in terms of the movies, I think they just got better and better. And in terms of, I think Bad Grandpa is the best of the four. And I oh include God, when that. he craps on the wall in the diner, oh I, my I God. fell out of my seat. I mean, that was one of my first dates with my girlfriend. And like, I, you know, because I, you know, I am a filmmaker, but I'm also a film critic. I'm both, and I, it, it constantly tears me apart. How can I tear apart other people's films if I'm making them? Uh, but I, I tell you, man. We laughed 
so goddamn hard. I mean, Jackass is actually, in a way, very intellectual humor. In its own way, it's very intellectual. Especially, there's uh, if you go on Netflix right now, there is Bad Grandpa, all the stuff they didn't use. Actually, yeah. they put the special features from the DVD on Netflix. Highly recommend you watching it because these pranks are intricate, man. These are not, they just don't walk into a bar and just start doing crazy shit. They plan this out for, I would assume, six months to a year, mm-hmm. knowing what the pre production is like. You know, I respect it from that angle. And also, as Andrew and Glenn both said, it's funny as hell. You know, <laughs> and you guys know me. I'm not, I don't, I'm not amused by farts. I'm not amused by puke. What I am amused by is, uh, any sort of sophistication put behind anything. Anything that is given thought impresses me because being thoughtless is super easy and it pisses me off. And Jackass is awesome. The movies are great. Unfortunately, the first movie is my least favorite of all four of them, but uh, I, I enjoy it for sure. Well, I, what I forgot to mention is that the show was over by the time they did uh, the movies, and so the public already knew who these guys were. So right. a lot of the scenes are shot in Japan. They had to get more and more creative which each with each successive film because yes. of their celebrity. So, you know, it kind of necessitated the kind of preparation and creative thought. Um, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just I, I, I wanted to tie it back into the show real quick because I forgot to mention that. Sure. Well, William, what about you? Uh, Jackass? Oh, <laughs> Oh, this brings me back to my teen years. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I remember when I first saw the show, my my, my grandma walked in and stood there and started <laughs> watching it. And she's like, you've watched some of the most stupid stuff I've ever seen. And I'm like, you just don't understand the comedy. And then when I heard there was a movie, I immediately went to Walmart and picked it up brought it home, watched it, and like everybody said so far, it was really good. It's it's amazing of what all they can do and just get up and walk away from half of the stuff they do. I actually have all of them. I've seen 2, 2.5, 3, 3.5, Bad Grandpa, grab, grab, Bad Grandpa, 0.5, and... I've even played the video game. <laughs> I used to love that so much. You'd think Grandma would at least appreciate all the male nudity that's in the movies. <laughs> that is true. A lot of penis. You know, there's the one part where the black bar is over the dick and then the bar just sort of floats away. <laughs> yes. I think that's in two or three. I don't remember which one. It's so good. And, uh, Paul, what about you, sir? <laughs> I'm going to start out by saying public flatulence is something that I do not. It, it grosses me out. I don't, I don't enjoy it. There's something in my past happened, and, and that's what causes this great fear in me. And sure. I won't go into it, but uh, that's why public flatulence is not funny to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, this movie does make me laugh uh, because it has great scenes in it, the unexpected, the unexpectedness that occurs in the movie, um, it's it's also very much like a, you know they always talk about the train wreck. You can't turn away. 
-hmm. That's how I felt watching it. I'm not going to go to the movie theaters for this. Uh, I will watch it on Netflix, something like that. Uh, And uh, the gross-out gags, I I don't like. I don't laugh through them. But the stunts that they perform, just the unexpectedness of those things is just, wow, and and amazing that they, they put themselves through this. You know, and and I have to I have to give them like thumbs up for that. But uh, again, the gross out stuff I just it isn't it isn't in my wheelhouse, which is funny because I like horror and I like blood. But when when you have fecal matter in it, it just ugh. <laughs> I have to say that uh, uh, poop jokes are probably the only thing that I don't exactly laugh at. So, uh, and you know and. But other than that, yeah, it, it, it's fun. It, it definitely before uh, you had uh, your YouTubes, so at least the first one, actually the first two, the second one came out just as YouTube, so you didn't have all those fail compilations. So this is where it's at, and it was actually constructive, well-thought-out fail videos <laughs> um, that weren't exactly fails, but, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to compare it to what's out now everywhere, uh, yeah, these guys did that, but they did do it in a creative and surprisingly uh, uh, well thought out plan. Even though they play it off as kind of being spontan, you know, spont spontaneous. Excuse me, uh, brain fart there. So uh, <laughs> interesting choice on there, Andrew. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of people really enjoyed the film. So uh, glad you brought that one along. It. Uh, it's definitely one to think about. And this concludes part one of our two-part special, the covering of our favorite movies uh, that were based off of TV shows. Make sure you check out part two and all our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, at specialmarkproductions.com. <laughs>